Jesus. Jesus. Let's make him welcome right now. Jesus. We welcome you in this house. Woo. Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Where's that? Yeah, she is. A couple nights ago, I had a just a, a person in my mind, and she had curly hair. So I'm going with you. <laughs> and I saw just exactly what. Elisha was doing, he was walking up to this one lady and she was, she was desperate for a move of God. She was desperate for a move of God. And the prophet asked her, so what do you have? It says, I just have a little bit of oil. Remember the story? I just have a little bit. And God says, I see your little bit, and I'm about to expand it. I'm about to expand it, and I need you to go out. I need you to go out and get some vessels. I need you to go out and get some people. We're earthen vessels, right? And everybody you speak to, God is going to allow you to pour into them. And you're going to take them because you have been behind closed doors and you've been seeking God and saying, God, I just have a little bit. He says, keep pouring it out. Keep pouring it out because I'm going to bless you. And every need that you have is going to be met by God because he's got you in his sights. Shadalabashi. Jesus. Hallelujah. My wife wanted to speak. She wanted to say something. Come on, baby. Come on. Well, I'm not as loud as he is, but I just wanted to give a testimony about God meeting every need and being more than enough because you talked about it this morning. And so like Pastor John said, we resigned our church at the end of December and we left and Don has been unemployed since then. And so... He's been working. He does part-time jobs. He does everything he can find to do to earn money and stuff. But but just the other day, I want you to know it's been from January till now, and we have not had one bill not paid. And not only that, but uh, I was working on my budget a couple of days ago, and I was like, all right, God, this is how much more money we need for June to meet our needs. The very same day I came home, checked the mail, half of that amount of money was in the mail. I'm just like, God, and I, what I wanted to say is we have to hold loosely to what we have, whether it's your gifts, whether it's your finances, whether it's your family. You know, we visited my mom and dad um, a couple of weeks ago, and my stepmother lost her son when he was 17. It's been 40 years. She is still so grieved that... It consumes her. I mean, it's like a deep depression in her and she's never gotten healed and she's a Christian. And it, it, and God spoke to me that day and he said, you know, you have to hold loosely. Why are we here? Life is a vapor. 
We're created for eternity, right? So we can mourn our lost loved ones, but it should not consume us. We recently lost our son, and that's the only reason. Yeah, sure, we cry. Sometimes it just comes on me, and I start blubbering for no reason. But so it doesn't mean we don't miss people and we don't want to spend time with them. But, you know, if if hope is in our in eternity, then why would it consume us? You know, hope, our hope is not in this world. We get to the honor of having it, yes, and the joy and the fun times and the good memories and all that stuff, but it's a vapor and we're going to be with Jesus. So if you hold loosely, the reason I say that is because we give, like he said, generous, we give all the time. Don's unemployed. (laughs) We send money to people. We give family members money. We give. And every single time without fail, God gives us more. And so it's loose in my hand. It comes in and goes out. It comes in and it goes out. It, Dave Ramsey would say, stop doing that and pay your bills. I would say, my God's bigger than that. I pay my bills, but you know what I mean. And so I just want to encourage you that don't let fear consume you like Pastor John was saying. When, when we trust God, God is bigger than all that. And why are you afraid? If God tells you to give somebody $300, give it to him. You know why? Cause your daddy's rich <laughs> and he'll give you some more. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I've been told I don't need a microphone. It's just for recording purposes only. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Awaken hope. I loved it. Ashley, pastor Ashley. I got it. Hallelujah. Awaken hope. And my message today is there is hope for you. And you talked about, you know, awaken hope. There's hope about everything that we sung about is in my message today. And I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I'm a windy preacher. So I don't look at the clock very often, but I sure love God's word. I love God's word. I absolutely love God's word. And so I'm fascinated by who he is. So I'm giving you four uh, four scriptures right off top, okay? So you can just write those down and all the rest of them I'm going to play with, okay? So we're going to go to Ezekiel 37, uh, verse 11. Ezekiel 37, verse 11. Then we're going to jump to, are you there? I mean, don't turn there, just write it down. Ezekiel 37, 11. Joshua 2, 18. Jeremiah 17, 13. And Isaiah 40, 31. Now, Lord, come. Lord, I can do a lot of talking. And give a lot of information. But I I want the information of your word to become revelation to our hearts. Lord, I want revelation, Lord God. I want to know who you are. I want to know exactly who my God is. And Lord, I pray that for clarification, Lord God, in my tongue, in my heart, in my mind, to just speak your word today. Father, I am your hands and feet and your mouthpiece. Lord, use me in Jesus' name. The church said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, my pulpit's over here. I close my eyes. I walk around with my eyes closed most of the time. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay. Now, Proverbs 13 says this, hope deferred, which means hopelessness, hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
I've seen a lot of people, met a lot of people who've been through amazing trauma, tragedies, turmoil, any other T word I can find to say. Have been through just an amazing life and this is like abuse and just hurt and pain and they feel this hopelessness. And I see that America is losing hope in the church. See, the church used to be the pinnacle of the nation. Everything, everybody always went to the church to find the answer. If you needed, you know, some help about anything back in the day, you'd go to the reverend. The reverend had the answer. Church is rising up again, church. With the answer. With a real answer. Not just religious stuff. But with the answer of Jesus Christ. Amen. The hope of glory. So. I believe that God placed this message in my life about six months ago. Actually, it's been longer. It's been cultivating through about eight years. That the people need to know hope. And need to understand what it means in the word of God. Because our English translation is just so vague. And I'll show you that today. When we see hope, hope, hope. And sometimes not even hope. It's another word. It's like, what is this? Why is it even misspelled? Why is it different? Your hope says, you know, hope, but it might be tikva. Then you read another chapter, another verse, and you go in and say, hope, English language, hope, but it's actually mikva. And then you read another one, it says, kava. Why is God's language different in every one of these scriptures, there is an amazing reason. And I, I encourage you to learn, try to learn, dig into the word. I've been saying this a little bit through the churches I've met. And, and some of them didn't agree with me, but that's okay. I didn't have to stay there. <laughs> Bless me, God. Bless me, God. But I just I kept saying, you need to quit reading your Bible. You need to quit, just quit reading it because I've met people who read it from Genesis to Revelation and still didn't know God. Amen? You need to study your Bible. Study your Bible. Just dive into it. We got so much, uh, things that we can use. Apps. I live in, you know, I love a blue letter Bible app. It's free. I use it all the time. You know, get in there and dig and see what God is saying in his word because Hebrew and Greek is different than English. And you miss a lot because we don't know what it's saying. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, are we up there? There's our, uh, this is, uh, this means a lot of things. I'm going to, I just felt like I needed to do this since you just said faith. Uh, this is Aleph, which also can stand for God. Okay? Oh, we write from right to left, actually. And uh, so I'm going to show you what this is. Uh, this is water. So we're going to... It's hard for me to write with my finger. That's water, really. That's, you just got to take my word for it. This is a nail to connect. This is noon. This is blessings in life. Can I just put blessings in life? This is revelation. God, 
will pour into you and secure seeds of life that will open up windows of revelation of who he is through you. That's why he loves when we step out in faith. That's the reason why the word is written the way it's written. It's because God wanted to say something to us. Now, I do this with everybody. This kind of give you an idea about the Hebrew language. And, you know, we got the Logos. We got the Rhema of the Word of God, right? But then we have the hidden Hebrew of God. And a lot of times we don't get this because we don't, we don't study it much this way. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about hidden Hebrew stuff. Alpha. Bet. Alphabet, ox, right? Strong leader, God. Can I just do it that way? This is a house, family. Strong leader of the house. Who would strong leader of the house be? The father. The father is a strong leader of the house, right? The father teaches. That's what alphabet was created because the father teaches his children, teaches his family. That you just spelled of, you just spelled father in Hebrew. This is father. Alphabet is father. Yeah. Because I gotta, I gotta show you the father. When you understand the father, you have a revelation in your heart. You have a revelation. Remember the revelation letters? Hey, what was at the end of, of Immuna, which is faith. At the end, it was this revelation. He used to look like this back in the day. Can you see that? Yeah. Hey! That's what it was. Abraham got that letter when he became Abram to Abraham because he received the revelation of Isaac. And he just started raising his hand. He said, that's a good letter. Hey! Hey, and every time I read the Bible, you know, in the, in the church, and uh, I'd read, behold, blah, 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 blah. Behold. After, after every behold is a revelation. So the revelation, the behold is that letter. It's actually the word hey, spelt out, but it's the letter hey. And it's behold. So every time I'd say, behold, I would always pause when I'm preaching, and the church would go, hey! That's the only thing they ever caught from me. Not just kidding. <laughs> Anyhow, when I have a revelation of God, the Father, in my heart, I have a revelation of God in my heart, of my Father, I will understand. Change colors. You just spelt love in Hebrew. Is it like love? Yeah. Cool. You can't tell if it's red, though, can you? Okay. That's where we're going. Are you with me? We're going to dig under the page. We're not going to just go surface anymore, but we're going to dig, okay? So I'm going to go and try to be a little bit quick, but you can write this down, Tikva. I think I wrote it in one of my other messages. Let's see if I got my file here. I got a lot of notes. Come on. Did I do it? Oh, there it is. Tikva, Kavah, and Mikva. All say hope in our Bibles. So, I want to talk about hope today. Now, 
I won't do the other thing. Uh, and it just confused most people, but, uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love the language so much and I teach it so much that I think everybody knows what I know. And it, and it just like, they, that's what they do. They kind of look at me like a calf looking at a new gate. It's like, how'd that get there? And so I, I try not to do that. So if I lose you, just say, hey, slow down. Because I can talk really fast. Because I, I mean, when I preach, I preach in tongues. So I talk really fast. But I get excited about God's word. Amen? Amen. I love his word. Okay. We're going to go deep. We're going to go deep. And I, I wanted to share this. In Psalms 42... Verse 7, because it, it will relate to what I'm trying to get to later on. The deep calls out to deep. The deep, deep calls to deep. In, in Psalms 42, 7, the Amplified says, Thundering sounds of your waterfalls. Waterfalls, underline. Waterfalls, it's very important. Your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The breakers... And I, I don't have enough time to share all this. Back in the day, the waterfall. The waterfall. That's a letter, actually. And uh, it's a mem. No, I'm not going to do it anyway. Just... It's a mem. It's a waterfall. And so, it's also known as the Messiah letter. The Jewish people would see the mem. It, if it was by itself, it meant Messiah. And so that's the mem. That's, it means to birth. It's, it's, it's a woman that's, uh, uh, that has given birth. That's how it looks today. Got a little white cap, little little white cap on it, you know, from the water. But it's open because she has given birth. So she is open. The Messiah has given birth. The in letter, I'm going to do it anyhow, babe, like you said. That's also the same letter. But it's at the end of a word. Because all these words would be scrunched up. And they say, where's the end of it? So we have five final letters in Hebrew. So this is a mem. That's a mem. And that's a mem. That's my ninja skills. Cat-like reflexes. And uh, so this letter would be at an end of a word, just like, oh, go, uh, mem. Anybody know what that is? Shalom, peace. The peace of God will destroy the authority that holds together chaos. Chaos sometimes is in the mem because of the, the woman, the water in the womb would be so chaotic, you know, and it's so, it's so powerful when it comes, right? When, the, when she starts to give birth, God is saying, my Messiah is everlasting and he will give birth unto you and he will open up your, your, the heavens for you, your shalom, you'll understand his peace because he will destroy it in the name of Jesus. So in this word, in this letter, the Messiah letter, this is a virgin. This is given birth. 
See, it's closed off. It's not open yet. It's not open yet, so it's a virgin. And Isaiah was so amazing when he wrote Isaiah 9. Remember Isaiah 7? When he wrote Isaiah 7, there's going to be a, a, a virgin born in Bethlehem. And his name will be called Emmanuel. So we got this virgin. Now we're going to go to Isaiah 9. And he's going to talk about the everlasting government will be upon his shoulders. Amen. But he wrote it wrong. Isaiah, he's got to be a smart man. But he goofed it up on this one. Here's my Bible and my finger. It's, you know, I've got a good manicure there. Everlasting. Close mem in the middle of a word. It should be like shalom. Close at the end. Oh, you can't even see shalom. Oh, yeah, you can. How come it didn't circle it? It's up there. There it goes. Woo. The force is, force is strong with me. Okay, so you have the mem letter in the word. And they said, all the scholars said he messed up. Isaiah messed up when he wrote everlasting. Lamar ba. Lamar ba. Everlasting. But he didn't mess up because he wanted us to know that the virgin is going to be the virgin from the Messiah is going to be everlasting in his government. And when you're part of that everlasting government, you will have the Messiah in your life. The Messiah operates everlasting. He will never, his his word will never uh, fade away. His word will never leave. His presence of who he is will never vanish away. He will be everlasting. And he put the, 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 the virgin letter in the word everlasting. Kind of cool. Amen? Okay. So you're getting where I'm going. I got a, I need a bigger pulpit. (laughs) Okay. In Micah 2.13, the breaker, the Messiah, the breaker, who opens the way, shall go up before them, liberating them, They will break out, pass through the gate. Jesus, he's the gate. And go out. And so their king goes on before them. And the Lord is at their head. The breaker is coming to destroy the enemy. Okay. Ezekiel 37. Y'all know this story, right? The Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel had an amazing vision. About the children of Israel, his people. They've been locked up or in slavery for over 70 years. And they're coming back. And they feel like they're just hopeless. Their, their soul is dried up. And God is yearning for his people. You know, when Abraham was about to offer up Isaac. Our Bibles say now, Abraham, take Isaac. Now take him. Take him. Now. It doesn't really say now. 
it says please in Hebrew. When you read it in Hebrew, it says, please, Isaac, please, Abraham, take your son, Isaac. Take it, please. I beg you, please take him because you're going to see an amazing revelation if you'll just take him. See, people got God like he's going to push, push you around. You do it my way. It's a highway. But God really is gentle. He says, please, please. Please do what I tell you to do because I'm about to show you something great. If you'll just have faith. Amen. So Ezekiel has this vision. He says, all these people of Israel like dry bones. They're in the wilderness, this fading away. And God says, I need you to speak. I need you to speak. To them and tell them that I am bringing restoration. Paraphrasing, of course. I'm bringing restoration to their lives. And he starts to speak a revelation. See, the church is Ezekiel. But the church, we love, we love what we do in here. But we don't do much out there. We're in the wilderness, literally. <laughs> the desert. We're in the desert. But God is saying, I need my church to start to prophesy to a generation. This government, this nation is where it's at because the Christians have not said anything. Have not proclaimed and declared and decreed anything but what they wanted. Start to declare what God wants for a nation and start to prophesy to your neighborhoods, to your, to your family, to this city, to this state, to this nation. Amen, church? And he says this in, in verse 11. I'm going to start, well, yeah, yeah, verse 11. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones of the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope, Tikva, is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Tikva. Revelation at the end. That's supposed to be, I don't know how I skipped that. There we go. Tav, Kuf, Vav, and He. It's amazing how he wrote this word. For hope. Tikva. We have a revelation. Should I do that? I guess I have to do it now. In ancient Hebrew, just like when I did the way, the waterfall in Mem, this ancient Hebrew letter is the cross. It means covenant. Cross. Have a revelation of the cross. Your heart will be tied to hope. See, many of us are trying to have hope in relationships or with a relationship. And that's going to be your hope. That's going to be your savior. It will not be. It will. It might be for about a year. You're going to figure out he's not God. Amen. 
So God is, when we have a revelation of who Jesus is, when we have a revelation of his covenant, of his love, of who he is, we will have genuine hope. I love it. But you know what? Hope is much more than just a great expectation. Hope for this, hope for that. It's actually an application. It's something that you can grab a hold of. And I'm going to show you that. And he says, and let me keep going. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord, behold. Thanks, baby. She's used to it. Okay, let's do a do-over. It's a mulligan. Okay. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, thus saith the Lord God, behold. There you go. (laughs) Hey, oh, my people. It's like, oh, my people. Oh, my people. I will open up your graves and cause you to come up from them. And bring you into a land of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have opened up your graves. Oh, oh my people. My people. And brought you up from the grave. I will put my spirit in you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to ignite you. I'm going to put a fire within you that's going to be so amazing that you're going to think about nothing but who I am. The Spirit of God. And you shall live. You shall live. And you shall live. And I will place you in in your own land. I will place you in your place. And then you shall know that I am the Lord and have spoken it and performed it. God's word, he looks at it. He watches it to perform it. What God has called you to do, he will complete it. Amen? He will complete it. But who's saying it? Music, worship leader, where are you at? Is the worship? Oh, there you are. I just wanted to get up. It's like, I got so much to say, but I I can I can just ruin everything sometimes. But you were talking about... Uh, there are people in this place that put on shame like a jacket. Now, you, I, I saw, I heard it this way. Okay, you know everybody hears things different, right? We've all preached messages. He said this. He said no. He said this. No. He said this. Right? But I heard this that he that you put on the you put you, people have this shame on them because of what they've been through. We've seen it, right? We've all seen it. We've all dealt with it. And, you know, or blame or just, uh, uh, addiction or alcoholism or just, you know, abuse. And you, you just wear this thing on you and it brings you down. And it's like, God, I can't even live because of my shame about no man's going to love me because of what I've been through. No woman's going to love me because of what I've done. Amen. There's a shame upon the people because they're hopeless. And he said this, like blind Bartimaeus. Remember him? He's my favorite guy. Because he was loud, he never shut up. <laughs> and, uh, and he's out there. He's out there. And he's out there. And he, he's sitting there and he's blind, right? He can't see nothing. And there's all a couple of the guys there. And he's sitting there and says, Hey, this. Jesus coming. 
Jesus, the rabbi, he's coming. Jesus! <laughs> yeah! Shut up, man. Right? Shut up, man. He don't want to hear you. You're just full of shame. You're full of blame. You're an addict. You're addicted. You know, whatever it might be. Shut up! Anybody ever tell you that? You don't have no reason to speak because of who you are. Nobody's going to listen to you because of where you've been. <laughs> now, during that time, he's near Jericho. He probably got it from there. I don't know. But they gave him garments to wear to say that they are a legit blind man. He's not like the guys we have on the corners out here. You give him, you know, five bucks, they get in their Escalade and drive off. Right? And uh, they were legit. He is really a blind man because the city has labeled him and have given him a garment to wear. It says, I am an addict. I'm a, I'm a, I was abused. I'm a criminal. I'm a murderer. I'm a liar. I'm an alcoholic. And you wear that shame. And I love what blind Bartimaeus did. And you gotta understand what blind Bartimaeus, I I don't know if they translate this right or not. But he said he was a son of Timaeus, right? Bar is son. Timaeus is unclean. The son of the unclean. Now, the, the unclean folks had a place in Israel. It's called the east side of Galilee. It's where, uh, it's where the uh, prodigal son went. He went to a far country. The far country is the place of rejection. The seven tribes of, of the pagan tribes that came out of Jericho or out of the area of the promised land were moved over here. So now you have all the rejects. And on this side, you have the 12 tribes. Oh, I can share so much. I know, I know. She's telling me, pay attention. So now we got this man who is a reject. He's unclean. And he takes, he gets up. And he's still yelling out, Jesus, son of David. Wait a minute. Who said he was a son of David? No one said he was a son of David. They didn't say Jesus is coming. The blind man got up and said, Jesus, son of David. I might be blind, but I know who my Jesus is. I may be blinded by the things I've been through, but God is opening up my ears to hear his voice. And he said, at that point, Jesus stopped in his tracks. It's almost like the lady drew virtue out of Jesus. He says, tell him to come here. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm kind of more gentle on mercy. But I think I would have went to the blind man and said to tell the blind man to come to me. Got blind man running. <laughs> Whoa! Right? If you can't see him, listen to him. If you can't see him, listen to him. 
Because he was probably saying, Bartimaeus, come here. Bartimaeus, come here. Come here. Listen to my voice. I know that you're messed up right now and you can't see very well. But listen to my voice because I'm about to bring hope to you. See, Bartimaeus had hope in the voice that he heard. Even though he couldn't see it very well. And he walked up to him and Jesus asked him the original question. What do you want? Well, I'd like to have a Mercedes and a million dollars. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. The church's desires is so off base anymore. We'd rather have... Have you ever seen a silly thing on HBO? I don't know. I don't have HBO. I've been told about it. Got these pastors on there, the preachers. And they're, they have all this lavish stuff. They have like seven cars, eight houses and all this. That's not what God wanted. That's not what he wanted in us. He wanted a man called Blind Bartimaeus. Who'd shed off everything and say, God, I just need you. You're my hope, not that stuff. He came to him asking, what do you want? I want to see. You got it, brother. And he said he left and went with Jesus. I think I would too. And about that time, you know, Jesus went to, to Bethany and he got anointed king, right? He got anointed by Mary, who was a reject, who was a person that no one liked. The disciples sure didn't like her because of who she used to be. And they tried to bring the shame back on her. But she started just listening and focusing on Jesus and not what the disciples were saying. See, some ministers can be wrong. I want to listen to Jesus. I want to listen to his heart through preachers. Now, you've got great ones. I bet, I think it's raining outside. I bet when they go to the car, they can walk on water. That's who they are. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm just saying. But he wanted the change. And he wanted, he knew where his hope was. He knew it lied in Jesus. Amen, church. Okay. Only 10 pages to go. <laughs> I'm going to skip some stuff. That's okay. I got to get back. I forgot to turn my, you know where you turn your deal off, you know, where it won't turn off? Yeah. Do you see the two letters in the middle? This is Tikva, right? Tikva. Revelation of the cross. The two letters in the middle is rope. <laughs> it, mean, it just really means to tie. For your heart. The Jewish people see the middle letters as a heart. The two on the ends are usually the body of the letter. Or the body of the word. So we see things like this. That's how we read. Like if you go to, in, in the beginning, in the beginning, uh, bear sheet. In the beginning. It's one word, but we got three in the beginning. And it's bear sheet. But bear sheet is bar, son of Timaeus, right? Bar, son. And what he, uh, the Jewish people do, they, they, they analyze a word 12 different ways to see what it says. That's when you can read Deuteronomy and get 70 names of Christ in that, or God. That's what they do. And it's really cool. Because that's how the Hebrew language was made up. That's God's language. So you have Bar and Tav, which is that letter, the cross, 
Barantov is bat. I know it sounds bad, but it's daughter. Like bat misfus, bar misfus. You've heard of that before? So it's son and daughter. Well, you put these other letters as the yod that's next to the tav, and the resh is the r next to the bet, and you put those letters again, you get covenant, baret, covenant. So we see son, daughter, covenant. And right in the heart of this word is esh, which is fire. And when we see that, it actually says this book, this preface to this book, Genesis, is about family. Bet is house, right? It's family. So it actually says, when I read it, this book is going to be about God's family, whose his heart burns for his sons and, or his covenant sons and daughters. And that's what Genesis is all about. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. I'm adding a whole lot of free stuff. It's not going to cost you anything, so. Okay. Joshua 2. I got to keep going. Joshua 2, you wrote it down, right? Joshua 2. And you look at this and like, what in the world? It says, unless we come, remember the spies going into Jericho? Now, you know, Jericho, they met up with uh, Rahab the harlot, right? Now, how would you like to be recognized as a harlot? Another reject. Another person that's unclean. I think we ought to change your name to Rahab the Redeemed. And quit thinking about her as being a harlot. See, Jesus doesn't remember it. I bet he changed it. But these guys know her as Rahab the harlot. You know what the harlot does, right? They're sitting at the temple church doors. All these girls looking good, looking fine. All these men going in trying to get their life right with God. And they see them and see her. Like, well, what's your name? I'm Rahab. Oh. She said, you want, hey, you want to go get a bite to eat? Sure. And led them out of the presence of God. That was her job. To lead people out of the presence of God. But God still wanted to use her. Still wanted to use a woman who was unclean. So the two spies got with her. You know, they were running from the crowd, from the authorities, and said, man, you got a, you got a rope? Yeah, I got a rope. You know, get a rope! <laughs> It's not New York. <laughs> anyway, okay. And, um, and so he said, they got a rope and they, they, she said, man, hang out this scarlet line out the window. Now we're going to get out of here, but you know, she said, wait, 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 wait. I, I don't want you guys to come in and destroy us. You know, what about us? You know? And he turned and said, if you keep this rope out of your window, we won't come and attack you. And God, told him to attack Jericho with a shout, with no weapons. And Jericho started to shout, Jesus. Okay, maybe not Jesus. But they just started shouting. Just started shouting. The walls came down. The walls came down. Actually, they didn't go down. We think they fell over. They actually went right straight down to the ground. Uh, the uh, uh, people who have found Jericho and dug it all up and found that the east side was still standing. It's like, man, put a rope in the window. But the rope was symbolic of the blood of the lamb because of what 
happened 40 years ago when they came out of Egypt because she said, I know what your God did. And he said, I know we don't have a lamb right now, but we probably have some rope that's been dipped in some lamb blood. So we're just going to hang that out. Who's got a scarlet rope? Anybody got got a scarlet rope hanging around? I got a a yellow one or a beige one. I don't have a yellow or scarlet one. Just so happened God prepared a place for her victory. God prepared a place for her victory. He says, "You, you keep this out. Let it be a marker. Let it be a sign. Good timing, God. That's good. Woo! Back on my, Mount Sinai, the thundering of his voice. And uh, when you read this in Hebrew, it actually says, Joshua 2.18, unless when we come into the land, you bind this tikva of scarlet cord. Hope. Tie this hope of scarlet to your window. I looked at Dan and it's like, what is this? Now, Joshua could have just used the kuf and the vav in the center, but he was trying to tell us something that this hope is the hope of the blood of the lamb, the hope of Jesus. Amen? And when you have it in your life, the enemy cannot come and destroy you. He is your hope if you let God do a work in your life. But you know, I got a lot of people who want to hide the scarlet cord in their lives. They leave out of here and say, man, I got to tuck in my scarlet cord. You know, I just can't. I can't let that be, you know, I can't show that. Goofy. But when you start to walk with the scarlet line around your life, you bring deliverance to those who are there. Probably a Rahab, the redeemed. So cool because Jesus, God, loved her so much. He says, hey, spy, go back. You're in my genealogy. You're in my family, spy. Go back and marry her. So the spy went back and married Rahab the harlot. And she's in the genealogy of Jesus. Grandma Rahab, the redeemed. Isn't that amazing? God loves using people who's goofed up. God loves using people who are rejects. God loves people who don't blend in with everybody else. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) I didn't hear an amen, so that's pretty good. Okay, I won't do dot. Dot's amazing. I'll do that next time. To know God. Number two, only got five more to go. No, I'm just kidding. Number two, there's hope in your breakthrough. There's hope in your breakthrough. In Isaiah 40, 31. Now, most of you probably, a lot of you have seen this in Hobby Lobby or on your wall. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I like that. I love it. Those who kavah. Wait a minute. That's hope. That's kavah. If you take off the, the cross, 
The rest of the word is kava. Tikva, kava. So I got the rope to revelation. I get the revelation of my rope. My rope ties my heart to the revelation of God. Those who hope, some of your translations do say hope. Those who wait upon the Lord, those who hope actually means to bind, to wrap your arms around. <laughs> it's not just waiting on a bus. We're not here just waiting. Well, I'm just waiting for the move of God. I'm just waiting for the move of God. And, you know, and he's saying, don't just wait. Put your arms around me. Those who bind themselves to God, to the Lord. He shall renew your strength. And you will mount up with wings, kind of like in Malachi. Malachi 4.2. But to you who fear my name, who honor my name. The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. See, when I was praying for Matthew, my son, who his fingerprint is on my dog tag. And I was binding myself to God. I was binding myself to God. It says, I understand your scriptures, God. I'm binding myself to you. I'm wrapping myself up in you, God. Take me up on healing wings and heal my son. You know, he did. Now, it didn't come out the way that I envisioned it. Cancer took him. He was down to, he had to be less than 100 pounds after he passed away. Last time we weighed him, he was 107. From 145, 150 pounds to 100, less than 107. But my son was out doing crazy things. Got tied up in drugs. For many, 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 many years. He told the doctor, I was sitting in the office, he says, have you been doing drugs? He says, yeah, I've been doing meth for two years. I just kind of looked at him and said, son. What are you doing? The son of the unclean. <laughs> and I'm praying for a miracle. So I'm tying myself to God. And we had an amazing six months, eight months with our son. He, you know, he always had a room at the house. But he wouldn't want to come home when he was all high and everything. He respected us. He said, I can't let you see me like this. Then he would come home and crash for like three days and eat all the food in the house and leave again. This way it is. If you got an addict, love him. Because it's the deception of the drug that they're buying into. They're not hating you or disrespecting you. They're just deceived. So Matthew was with us for eight months. And uh, I looked at my watch. I shouldn't have done that. And we were able to walk him back to the Lord. People praying for him all the time. Come in and pray for him. And it's amazing. And God started to do a miracle in his soul. Even though I wanted physical healing for his body. God says I'm more, I'm more interested in his soul. In his spirit right now. Than his body. 
Amen. So we spent eight months loving on our son who could have died in a house that was vacant doing whatever knows what. And we wouldn't have known anything for many days or weeks or years or whatever. But God blessed us with a miracle of eight months with our son. Amen. So you need deliverance? Wrap your arms around Jesus. Because he's about to do an amazing work in your life. Number three, my last one. Hope for a new life and new pools of blessings. Jeremiah 17, verse 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel. Could it be Tikva? Could it be Kavah? No. It's Minkva. And look at this. I'm going to read through and look at the last line. All who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord. The fountain of living water. O Lord, the hope, the mikvah of Israel, the fountain of living water. Now this, this word mikvah is also comes from the word kavah, which we know is to gather water also. It's spelt, it's, it actually sounds a little bit different than that kavah than I put up on the board. Well, I didn't put it up there, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But it comes from to gather water, flowing water, the fountain of living water, flowing water. And this is why John the Baptist baptized in the Jordan because it was flowing water. Jordan means to decline. Yardan, to go down. So he... He baptized in flowing water, which is symbolic of hope of Jesus. I don't have time to go through all this. He is Emmanuel. You'll find it in Genesis. And, and you can find that the flowing water of the Messiah, the, um, the Shiloh. And there's different words in our Greek or Hebrew even. Um, the pools of Siloam in Greek. It's Shelah. Shalom. And uh, it all means the Emmanuel, the fountain of living water. That's why they built the pools of Shalom, the pools of Bethesda. Remember the, the guy sitting at the, you know, the pools of Bethesda? He was blind and, and, no, he was crippled. No, the crippled guy was at the pool of Shalom, right? And he needed water to stir, right? He needed the water to move. He needed the water to flow because otherwise it was just sanding water. It was not flowing water. It was the hope that the man had when it was stirring. And now a lot of your new translations take out this part. I think the NIV does. And you'll, you'll see it jump from verse 3 to verse 5. And they take out this, when the angel came down and stirred the water. They took that part out. And... uh and so, but the angel is a big part of the miracle that's happening right now, right? He's stirring the water. The water's flowing. The mikvah, the mikvah, the fountain of living water is why we do baptisms. The, the, do we have a bap- baptistry? Oh, it's, 
Oh, porno, okay. And, uh, but that is where we get baptism is from mikvah. Through the years, it became the symbol of baptism for the Jewish people. So they started making these mikvahs, these pools. And so a, a, a Gentile, Goryim, a Gentile, person from another nation, if he wanted to be Jewish back in that day, he had to do two things. Get circumcised and then get baptized. And it changed him from a Gentile to Jewish. And he was known to be Jewish from then on out. His Gentile background was never brought up again. Kind of like when we get baptized, right? And the Jewish people see the mikvah as a womb. Because it actually, in the root words, it comes from the womb. You shall be born again. And it's also known as a grave. As you came up from baptism, you, the old person is gone. Now you have the new person being born again. That's your hope. Amen? So we can grab a hold of the mikvah and know the hope that lies in the fountain of living water. Amen? I skipped a whole lot of stuff because I talk a lot. And I can't do that here. I mean, I don't want to do it here. Because uh, I want to get to this point. I'm done. Messiah letter. Right? Mem. To birth. Sheen. Vav. Ooh. Make that a little longer. Make that a little longer. Bet. House. Ah, this is going to be a V, though, in this case. Not a B. Ma, shuv, ah. Ma, shuva. Turn is in the word. That you turn away from the Messiah. In his revelation, and you backslide. Mashuva. And God created these words, it's just so amazing. He says, Come back to my cross. You make that smaller, because I'm going to make the Tav. Come back to my cross. Turn to my cross. Oh, keep writing wrong. Turn. Turn back to the revelation of my cross. Tashiva. Oh, let's do uh, repent right there. I got it. I went to school and everything. <laughs> you got that, huh? Repent, Tashiva. Turn back to the Messiah. Turn back to life. And I know I talk a lot. And I I give you some stuff that 
You may not understand fully. But I want you to understand this thing. That Jesus loves you so much. That he gave his word to change our lives. His word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And the word was was God. And the word is God. And everything that was created was created by the word. Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. Who's it? This is word, which is Jesus, right? And then in your heart is the Messiah. Ah, Messiah letter. Are you with me? In your heart is the Messiah, the Alpha and Omega, the revelation of the cross. That's an ox. That's what all of his strong leader ox is how we got our A. We just knocked his ears off. He's our atonement in the Old Testament. He's our redemption in the New Testament. He's the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega. My heart is full of the Messiah. You will know his truth. You spell truth. He met. He met. E-M-E-T. Will you stand with me? Father. Father, I pray right now, Father God, that if there's anyone in this place that has turned away from the Messiah, from Christ, from Jesus, I pray, Lord God, you reveal something in their hearts right now and turn them back to your cross. Lord, you made it so simple for us. Almost too simple. All we have to do is come to you and confess that Jesus, I am unclean. I've been wearing this garment way too long. I've been messing up way too long. And Lord God, I, I do walk with a lot of shame and blame and excuses in my life. But Lord, today I want to turn back to the cross. I want to turn back to you, God. And you made it so simple. Lord, forgive me. And God says, I will forgive you. Actually, the word confess in Greek means to make a vow. Just like you did when you got married. To confess Jesus, I honor and obey you. To death do we part. Well, not exactly. But you know what I mean. Confess actually means, I marry you, Jesus. And Lord, right now, if there's anyone in this house that has turned away from you, will everybody repeat this after me? Dear Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me right now. Cleanse my life. And I turn back to the cross. Because I believe in you. You are my hope. You are my glory. You are my everlasting life. And I declare and decree. 
that right now I marry you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior, my King forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise again. Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Yes. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 If you want, you can get with me on Facebook, guys. I put a lot of stuff on Facebook, a lot of Hebrew stuff. You can learn as you go along. You can ask me questions. But I would, uh, I would love to have you part of the team as we grow in God. Amen.